Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by the Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the gaming industry. Visit us online at IndieGame.Business to learn about our online digital events. We have some amazing sessions with people in the gaming industry, and you can participate for free and purchase inexpensive passes to our industry-leading business-to-business system. Now, here we go, Indie Game Business. Yeah. And we are live. We're back, everybody. Hey, hey, guys. Um, We're back. So, yes. Yeah, so still, it still has to end at the top of the hour, though, so. All right, go for it, and then we'll field right. questions afterwards, and you guys enjoy this, enjoy the show. Yeah, definitely. So, guys, I'm sorry about the connection issues before. Uh, don't know why they happened, but what we were doing is we were trying to discuss about culture and how cu- culture impacts outsourcing, right? And we talked about how cult- outsourcing is great. 86% of the game development studios partake in outsourcing. And in a $160 billion industry, this means that is a lot of work and a lot of money. But at the same time, we also see that a lot of outsourcing studios um, fail in the execution of their project. We see that a lot of clients lose hundreds of thousands of dollars, sometimes even in the millions. We also see that a lot of major game development studios shy away from outsourcing and work for higher teams. Primarily because they've heard like scary stories as to how someone else's project went horribly wrong. And now I'm not here saying that all work for hire projects are executed flawlessly and smoothly. But what I am here to discuss is that one of the key reasons as to why most of the work for hire and outsourcing projects fail is the cultural mismatch between the outsourcing studio and the studio that's getting the outsourcing done. If a client in the US is getting outsourced work done from someone in the Ukraine, they're going to face a ton of problems. And all of these problems, as I said earlier, can be condensed into the same thing, which is a cultural mismatch. Now, cultural differences arise primarily because each organization is different. It has different individuals. Each individual brings with him or her their own set of beliefs and yeah it is impossible for two organizations to have the same culture most of the times in similar regions the cultures of organizations are pretty much the same but at the end of the day every organization is unique the key here the key to successfully executing a outsourcing project is to first identifying how the culture varies between your own organization and your partner organization. And then once you've assessed these cultural differences, what you need to do is is that you need to proactively play a role in order to reduce these cultural differences. And yeah, if you manage to overcome these cultural barriers, you can indeed successfully execute any work for hire project until or unless the team does not have the capability to, to execute it. So cultures vary, as we've talked about, and now we need to understand how can we assess the culture of uh, the partner organization that we're in talks with or that we want to work with. And this goes for both the person who's getting the outsource work done and the outsourcing studio, because both parties need to make a proactive effort. 
So the organizational culture of any studio or company is primarily affected by two variables. There are internal factors and there are external factors. The internal factors which dictate the organizational culture stem from the leadership, stem from the recruitment practices. And it is also the quickest and easiest way your partner can, uh, you, you can assess your partner organization's culture. Basically, just directly talk to the top dogs of that company. See how they operate, check how they go about their deals and commute their business. Most organizational cultures are severely impacted by the top level management. They say birds of feathers flock together. And the CEO of a company will have his own mindset, his own unique DNA trickled down through the HR processes. And the overall company culture is going to be a reflection of the CEO's uh, culture, right? The second thing is, is that if you are, um, for instance, talking to a business director of an outsourcing firm and they feel as if that um, you're not good and that you are unprofessional or horrible to deal with, chances are that you will you can expect the same type of uh, uh, same type of uh, attitude from the other members of that organization, right? So the top level management always dictate how the rest of the organization is going to function. Now that is one. These are the internal factors which influence the culture of an organization. The external factors um, which influence the organizational culture. Um, are a bit more difficult to assess, but they do play a huge role. Simply put, the culture of the region that the organization is working in will also impact the work done uh, and uh, by the citizens of that area. This is something that you can very quickly check up by doing a Google search. Um, you can find out where is a company situated, where is religion, where is uh, what type of religion they are practicing. For example, in a Muslim country, an organization is going to primarily have Muslim workers. Now, Muslims take five times, five breaks a day for 20 minutes to pray. And there's very little you can do about it. But at the same time, it's essential as a person who wants to partner with some other organization to know about it. Now, does this mean if a, if, a, if a worker is taking five times, five breaks a day for 20 minutes, that the person is not going to get their work done? No, absolutely not. But at the same time, it is essential for the partner organization to be aware of it. Another thing that affects, uh, another external factor that affects the organizational culture is also the economic state of the company. Getting work done in a in third world by third world country organizations and third world companies can be very cost effective these people are sharp and they know the development process but at the same time you need to understand that the the reason you're getting such cheap rates is is because the cost of living in these areas is very low and you cannot then expect the level of professionalism or sophistication that a person uh, will portray when they are let's say working from a first world country it's simply because a person working in a third world country has never had an experience working on such a project or with such big numbers or with such high expectations. They'll be up for the challenge, the person who's working from the third world country, but you'll also have to guide them and make them understand as to how they can go about executing this project. Because you need to understand that these people, these individuals live off on $5 a day. 
lower than the minimum wage in most countries that get outsourcing work, work done, right? So external factors such as religion, the state of economy, the politics of a country really also impact the organizational culture. And you need to know about these things, right? In order to have a fruitful relationship with your partner company. Now, I'd like to talk a little bit about how it is working with, let's say, a Pakistani team if you're in the West. And the reason I'm going to talk about Pakistan specifically is because, as I mentioned earlier, every organization has a different culture. But organizations within us, within the same region usually tend to have a lot of overlapping similarities. So this experience that I'm talking about or these habits of Pakistani teams is something that you will also find uh, working with com other con uh, companies in the subcontinent or South Asia. Now, the first thing that you will notice working with uh, companies from Pakistan is that they are very uh, community oriented. They're happy people and um, they're big with, you know, making friends, going the extra mile for people they care about. And this is something actually very important because in the West, the organizational countries, uh, uh, organizational cultures are very individual centric. Right. And this is a huge mismatch because in Pakistan, someone will actually end up doing something for a client, uh, even if it's uh, costing them the more to do it simply because the client might be someone they like. At the same time, what you will see that uh, organizations or cultures in Pakistan also talk about um, uh, also are very formal in the way they talk or address other people. And that is because in Pakistan and in South, uh, in South Asian countries, hierarchy is very important, right? Quite often you'll say that, um, uh, you'll see that a Pakistani developer or an artist is going to call you sir or boss. Now this is, uh, now people in the West, my friends at least hate it, but there's a reason they're using these words. And the reason is that they have been conditioned to respect authority and hierarchy since they were kids. So this is something that you as an outsourcing partner need to take into consideration when you're working with these people, right? Now, um, one other thing that you might note from especially working with Indian or Pakistani clients is that we know, we know English a bit, half decent at least, uh, better than let's say Ukrainians or Russians. And the reason behind that is our colonial uh, history. But the more important point to note here is this, just because we can speak uh, English to some extent does not mean we understand you, right? So I had a developer the other day who was talking to a client and the, it was early morning and the client came up to him and he was like, hey, what's up? Did you have your morning coffee yet? And the developer was a bit shaken by the statement and he was like no and the client said all right why don't we cut this call off you go get your coffee and then we can reconnect and the developer actually ended up doing that uh, and he comes up to me and he tells me what happened and i'm like man did you have your morning tea it's all right like go back to the call like because these are misunderstandings that happen primarily because there's a cultural mismatch in pakistan we don't drink coffee we drink tea the developer did have his morning tea but he did not understand what the client meant when he said, did you have your morning coffee? So these are things that you need to take, keep into consideration, right? But working with Pakistani or like, you know, outsourcing teams is great because there's a huge, huge, you know, 
um, ability to have great cost savings. You can have very flexible teams um, that can be working on multiple projects, right? Because these people are very skilled. Um, the workforce is very competent, but the only thing they lack is experience and experience working on big projects. And that is primarily because of the internal and external factors I've talked about. And that is also because a lot of teams shy away from outsourcing and trusting um, teams in Pakistan or India with their work. And ultimately, if these cultural barriers weren't there, the trust would be higher and Pakistani teams and Indian teams would be doing much better work. So I, I've talked about how you can assess a company's organizational culture. And I've talked about what cultural things you can expect with working with someone in Pakistan. So the next thing I'll talk about is how do you overcome these cultural barriers that you face during outsourcing? Well, the first thing you need to do is, is you need to understand the basics about your partner's organization. Where is the partner company operating? What work timings do they have? Which holidays do they practice? What's the code of conduct of your partner organization? Are they formal or are they informal? Do they like conversing over call or do they prefer email? All these questions matter. You need to plan out the production process while having these things in mind. What happens if you're on a Christmas break, but your client is willing, excuse me for a second. What happens if you're on a Christmas break, but your client is, ref uh, your, your client team is working, uh, but you're on Christmas break and they need some guidance on your side. What will you do? You need to plan out of these things. You need to do this research. How are you going to go about the project timeline? Uh, if you're outsourcing to a company which has public holidays near the time you want to release that game, right? So these are problems that you need to take into account and you need to solve. Um, so plan and know about the partner organization you're going into bed with. Right. The second thing actually is you need to have good faith and you need to trust your partner organization. Now, this is kind of trust is like a, kind of like a chicken and egg problem, right? Um, for trust, you need to have for trust. You need to have some sort of relationship with the individual you're, you're working with already. And this is where the problem arises is because if you haven't worked with anyone, how do you trust them? Well, you trust them by having good faith and by, by the, the principle of good faith is basically very simple. It states that just have the belief that whatever that the other person is doing it is they're doing it in good faith. Right. And this is extremely, uh, this is extremely important because if you don't have any type of good faith in your transaction, it's not going to pan out well. And it's natural not to trust the other individual, especially if they're on the other side of the world, right? Uh, in the past, when people trusted strangers, especially strangers from strange tribes, um, they ended up dying. So yeah, this is a hu natural human instinct not to trust other people. And to trust other people, you need to have that element of good faith in you. So once you have that good faith, and the question then ar arises is what makes a trustworthy relationship or how do you get someone to trust you, right? There's so many cultural barriers. There's so many different uh, ways that both you and your partner uh, organization look at the world from. And the answer to that is actually very simple. Just be trustworthy. Don't lie. Don't uh, have never make a white lie. Don't exaggerate. Do not even lie of omission, right? 
if you have 70 people in your team don't say as you have 80 people in your team if you if you want to start work on wednesday don't say you're going to start work today if you know that the payment is going to come on the third of let's say march don't say that it'll arrive on the first if you have only one console game say you have one console game not multiple always be honest and truthful and this will automatically work towards breaking breaking cultural barriers right good faith and trust very key elements. And the second thing is that is that you need to start listening, right? Always listen first what, uh, regarding all the needs and wants of your partner organization. Make sure you understand and then take your time and respond to your partner organization. This is very essential. A lot of the times what happens is that cultural differences come into play and people stop empathizing with the other team. Right, uh, the developer messed up a project deadline. Now the client becomes even stricter and starts imposing on the developer's liberties, right? The better way to go about it is to listen as to why did that problem happen and how can you go about, right, rectifying this problem. Over communication is an also a very good way to solve this problem. Is just talk about everything, even if it's annoying, even if you're busy, just talk it out. Right, listen and talk it out. This will indeed help breaking a lot of cultures barriers. The third thing is, is that you need to know how to have difficult conversations. Having a difficult conversation before you need to have more difficult, con much more difficult conversations is key. Um, part of having a difficult conversation is you very clearly setting expectations with your outsourcing partner. What's the first milestone for instance? How will we tackle delays? How are we going to work uh, during Christmas if you're on holidays? How are you going to meet deadlines if you're going to be taking two, three hours off every day and you're going to go, you're going to be praying along the, uh, at, uh, at those times? How are we going to uh, finish up on this project if you're not understanding what I'm trying to say? Right. So these are very essential uh, conversations to have. And it's better to have difficult conversations sooner rather than later. Right. And this really, really helps solve a lot of problems that arise due to cultural reason. Ask the developer if they're OK drawing that uh, new uh, semi nude anime character, uh, not the developer, so the artist, sorry. Cultural, ask those difficult questions. Then one imp other important thing is that you need to make sure that make sure that all decisions are in writing. Any change of scope, any decision on art direction, everything must have a paper trail, right? And this is actually more of effective communication, but effective communication is actually the one ring that uh, enables you to break all cultural barriers. If everything is on paper, your outsourcing team cannot deviate from what they said if they've said that they will work through their holidays to get this done it should be on paper so that you can hold the uh, partner organization accountable our rule is if it isn't in writing right at frag this is what we believe if it isn't in writing and shared by both parties it was never decided so that is why clients from day one working with us know that everything needs to be in writing and this is something both parties needs to pursue and if they do it, it will be great uh, of great benefits in the long run. 
and lastly showed on um, another way to you know overcome cultural barriers is to and this is also communication barriers that come into play here is just simply show people what you want don't tell them um if you're saying if you've had your, have you had your morning coffee like the person on the other hand might not understand that be like are you aw awake are you uh, uh, in your senses are you thinking sharply right now right so be more visual showcase exactly what you want and again this is a part of effective communication which in turn helps break cultural barriers um then you should always have things like daily project management reports weekly conversations and you need to take every chance you can have to communicate with the other bar, uh, other side uh, and this is very essential over communication is much better than under communication or no communication it can help save you a lot of time in the future it can help in project execution and always be you know very gracious with your compliments talk about the future compliment on what's been done well and always always give feedback on things that need to be improved and this actually brings me to the second point is that uh, communication and cultural barriers go hand in hand and you need to be very straightforward when you're talking to your partner right uh, you can't use jargon that they don't understand you need to be very straightforward in terms of communication and you need to boil it down to the lowest common le level of sophistication um, there's a book called made to stick which talks about this and they do it per perfectly pakistanis indians ukrainians russians most more often or not they get lost in technical jargons by uh, clients from the west right so you need to be very straightforward and to the point lastly if you are in like uh, in a situation where there is a conflict due to cultural barriers right what you need to do is that you need to make a proactive effort in order to solve it you need to stop playing the blame game whenever there is a failure in the execution of a project each party will have their own subjective uh, perspective right or wrong you need to take um, turns to listen and you need to make sure that you follow a process right that enables a de-escalation what you should do is right if you're a client for instance you should need to start by understanding why the developer failed or the artist failed you need to understand right why this problem happened and the developer and the artist also need to understand the client state of mind right what's happening on their side on the client side why are they so upset then you need to the, the client at least needs to you know propose a certain solution and the developer and artist also need to propose solutions on their uh, from their own side and give them alternates right this is this needs to be a two part process where both sides need to take responsibility and move towards a solution rather than escalating a problem and trust me that never pans out well right um you always always need to be sure that the cultural differences that are in play in your partner organization are not the reason as to why this project is failing and you can only do that by proper communication by understanding what that side is doing uh, saying by over communicating
You have got to check out our Discord at discord.gg slash business. It's an amazing community of over 3,500 other industry experts. We've got developers, publishers, marketing and PR firms, investors, so, so many, so many. It's safe and supportive place to network and to talk to experts. You can learn more about the business of games or you can share what you know with others. We have exclusive workshops on perfecting your pitch deck, finding a publisher, and more. Remember, it's discord.gg slash indie game business. And when there does appear to be faults, right? You need to recognize them and you need to also recognize faults from your own side. And these are just a few tips that you can use in order to prevent culture, these culture barriers from affecting your project. To end my talk, um, all I'd like to say is that uh, I was a gamer uh, since I was six. I was introduced to Pokemon by my brother. And ever since that, and then I've played games. Uh, a game or two every day of my life and i'm pretty sure most of you in this industry who are uh, working with game development have a similar story and i can with absolute certainty say that people doing in these outsourcing groups and who provide work remote work for hire have that same story if they're in this industry right so intrinsically we're all the same we all are in this industry for our passion for games and um yeah outsourcing can be great if it's done right and with that i would like to end my conversation and if there are, there are any questions i'd love to have them thank you hey there thank you so much that was a great presentation and i you know what i apologize for the tech issues that happens sometimes you know when you do stuff online there's just problems so if there anybody has any questions Feel free to drop them into chat, but otherwise, well, you and I can have a conversation. So when someone is Definitely. looking for an out, outsourcing company, right, there's a lot of options. So like what kind of what kind of things should a client look for, right? So 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 it really depends um, as to what type of project the client wants to get done, right? Um, how big is the project? What's the scope? Because I wouldn't suggest that client uh, clients outsource like million dollar projects to um these outsourcing companies which aren't uh, operating either in the in Europe or the US and the reason behind that is very simple because uh, depending on the type of project uh, you can see the type of outsourcing company that you want right for high scale so the first thing that for instance you'll have to take a look at is what is the uh, portfolio of that existing company right have they worked on something similar the second thing you need to look at is what are the processes in place in that company that prevent that these culture barriers from actually impacting the project right a lot of um, a lot of outsourcing companies understand that there are communication barriers are they trying making a proactive effort to solve this problem right is the outsourcing company you're planning to give your project to are they asking the right questions are they very acting in a very fast and hastily manner where they just want that project is the outsourcing company um, actually understanding the problem I am putting forward to them? Is the outsourcing company coming up with creative and, and innovative solutions as to how to go about my project? 
Is there proper documentation in place? Are they asking me to provide a proper GDD for my project? Are they asking me to go through a proper contractual procedure? All of these things are something I personally as a client would look at if I'm planning to outsource my project, right? Because quite often people show work that they haven't really done to get projects. And there are a lot of check marks that you have to make sure are there before you give them that project. Right, that's good stuff. <clears throat> so when outsourcing, um, what, what, like, uh, for for you specifically, like uh, how, how many people generally work on a project or? So it really depends from project to project, right? Um, we have projects which are in the hundreds of thousands that uh, we have entire dedicated teams for. Mm -hmm. This, uh, and then we have projects uh, in the thousands which only one or two developers are looking after, right? Um, currently at FRAG, we have over 80 individuals that sit, sit across like different tables and work on projects. But again, um, really depends on the project size as to how many people will work on them. Okay. So, um, how, like, so someone has a contract and you guys yeah. are supposed to do specific things. Like how easy is it for an outsourcing company to to shift what they're doing like what what if uh, the game design documents change right in the middle of development um how does that that whole process work so so, so it, i'm sorry i couldn't get your question uh you're saying how easy is it for outsourcing company to change what they're doing on the right. fly as they're developing the project mm -hmm. yes really okay so um it's actually so, so it really depends if the uh, company in question has agile processes in place, right? Um, it agile by agile processes, I mean, they have this ability to change scope or change the development uh, according to the new requirements that the client has given on the fly. And for that, it really depends if you have a proper project management and QA team in place that enable this process to happen because develop it's not really not that easy actually developers get confused especially developers uh in pakistan primarily because they're not used to these processes they 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 like everything in written and they plan their entire development process around it if you keep on giving them new ideas or new things to do they'll get confused mm -hmm. so it's not it's not it's it's something that we do quite often here at frag but then again, you need to have proper processes for that. You need to have a project manager there who makes sure that it happens seamlessly and efficiently. And again, I, I personally suggest that people, this is the game development, this is bound to happen, a change in scope. But the initial requirements of the project should always remain the same. You could have different future additions, additions and subtractions, right? Certain minor changes. But if you're really changing the core concept of the game completely, then Agile becomes really difficult to execute. Right, uh, that, that totally makes sense. Oh, we have a comment here from Toby on YouTube. He says, thank you very much for your talk. This isn't a question, but I just wanted to pop this comment in there. We are probably not going to outsource anything soon for our game, but these tips are really helpful for my second job where we are outsourcing work to India. That's awesome. Uh, we have a question here from Mechalina on YouTube. Can you describe the typical process 
project management for projects, weekly reviews, gating items. How much time should I, the client, spend to dictate to managing the outsource company? That's a lot of so questions. So it right? really, yeah. Okay, so I'll, I'll try breaking them down. Can you describe the typical process pro, uh, um, process of project management for projects? Right. So there isn't any typical process. Again, this is the part where you need to be sound enough to understand how much effort you need to put in, right? So it really depends from outsourcing company to outsourcing company, what type of project managers and how experienced pro uh, the project managers are on their side, right? Uh, typically at FRAG, what we do is, is that we have weekly meetings with our clients and we have weekly meetings because they kind of hit the sweet side, not a lot of communication, not a lot of under communication, just the right amount. Um, weekly reviews, are essential, I believe, but for larger projects, you can have monthly reviews. Again, really depends on the type of client you are and the type of team you're working with, right? We have clients that check with us on a daily basis, and then we have clients that check with us on a monthly basis. Either way, it is our job because we always try to take that extra step to prevent these cultural uh, miscommunications from happening. Uh, we change ourselves, our project management processes according to our client. Right, so if our client wants to talk a lot, we have daily meetings with them. If they don't, we have weekly or monthly meetings with them. Again, this is at your discretion as to how much you want to micromanage the outsourcing company. Ideally speaking, if you have a big enough project, you should be giving it to a team that can execute it by itself completely in your absence because that is one of the perks of outsourcing work, right? You do not have to micromanage different resources. If you don't, if you're not giving work to an outsourcing company, you can also hire freelance developers and artists to do your work. The only difference between an outsourcing company and hiring people individually is that the outsourcing company is taking responsibility for that project management and QA process, right? So as ideally as a client, you should only be dedicating as much time as you want to the project. Provided as long as you've provided all the extractions at the start and they're clear. You shouldn't be dedicating any more time than you want. Again, there are a few caveats to this. If the uh, project managers from the other side of the table are asking you relevant questions, then you need to dedicate as much time required uh, to answer those questions in order to have the project uh, executed effectively. I hope that answers your questions. That is good stuff. Okay, so we have some questions in the Discord here. Uh, one of them is, what are some good questions to ask when you're hiring an outsourcing studio? Really? Okay, so I'm, I'm going to go off to that here, and I'm going to talk about actually an article we once wrote, right, at FRAG. And th those were that article actually dictated 10 tips that you need to know when you are... Um, looking for an outsourcing studio. I will link it to for you guys to go through, or you can check it out at fraggames.com, our blog. But the first thing that you need to ask is that, um, so questions that the client needs to ask. The client does not necessarily need to ask, obviously it's the portfolio, right? You need to check whether the game studio in question has made the project or similar games to your project. Then you need to talk about their technical expertise, what uh, technology stack are they going to be using? Did you need to ask about how many resources are they going to deploy on this? And then you need to ask about a cost breakdown and a work breakdown structure from the outsourcing team before you give them the project. 
and this is actually something we at RAG do. Whenever someone comes to us with a project, we make a, a timeline for them. We make a breakdown structure for them, right? And these are all the things you need to know. You need to also check whether the client or uh, whether the outsourcing company uh, is asking the right questions. You need to see if whether um, the laws and regulations in place. So for instance, we can't develop uh, casino games in certain com countries, right? Um, you can't we can't develop certain type of content here uh, in pakistan you need to make sure that these things aren't present but ideally speaking it should be the outsourcing company's response to your uh, question uh, response to your information that should enable you to assess whether they're the right fit or not if for instance there uh, if for instance you ask them to make a game and they come back to you and say, okay, we can make this game. It's going to cost you an X amount of money. That's not an outsourcing studio you want to work with. You want to work with professionals who take their time, take their time with pre the pre-production phase and ask you relevant questions. And I hope that helps answer your question. It is more about, it helps by when you're selecting a company, you need to know, focus more on what questions are they asking? How serious do they seem? Right. Okay, fine. They have a great portfolio and they've done relevant stuff like this in the past. But how are they taking the process? Are they taking this game seriously? Do they understand the magnitude of what we're trying to create? Do they understand my vision? Do they have the processes in place to have uh, execute this? It's a 3D game. The outsourcing studio only has 2D artists and 2D animators. How are they going to do it? They're probably going to sublet this work to some other studio, right? So you need to make sure you know all of this before you go, go into this relationship. So should when you're looking for an outsourcing company, do you do you ask for guarantees? Like, is there a guarantee of what the quality is, how fast it gets delivered, security, confidentiality, that kind of stuff? Yeah, so NDAs are the standard right you have to make sure that the company signs an nda there's contractual things that you need to take into consideration obviously you need to make sure that everything is written down and what you also need to make sure is that the company that you're talking with right before you send them any time type of kickoff they have a proper work breakdown structure which talks about different milestones right this this is how long it's going to take to create the alpha the alpha is going to have player movement mechanic camera controls three variations of the main character uh, all of this good stuff present right and then the alpha is going to cost this x amount of money we should have and then there's additional terms that you add with it we, we might uh, the alpha there might be a two-week grace period after which every day of delay incurred in getting the alpha delivered will result in a hundred or two hundred dollar deduction in the overall uh, price that the client has to pay right so these are different things that you need to take into consideration right that makes sense big time all right so one more question what's the best way to manage teams that are not in the same time zone because i know that's a big one What's yeah that is so at and that's a problem we faced a lot here at and uh, we had little, uh, very little time to discuss this uh, very important topic. I actually forgot to talk about time zones. Um, the best way to do it is that uh, you need to make sure that you're available uh, to talk to the client and there's one point of contact who's always there. 
Uh, at FRAG, what we do is that the BD rep, the business development rep, rep is always online, right? Whether it's night or whether it's during the day. If you are um, in a 12 time, hour time zone difference, what you do is that you set a time with that BD rep or that particular resource from that outsourcing studio who is available during your time zones. And then the outsourcing company, if it's half good, it's, they should enable that, that, they should provide that service to you. Mm. Otherwise, if the outsourcing studio isn't ready to really do that, what you go about doing is, is that you wake up later at night and uh, <laughs> make sure you're available uh, right. during their time zones, which, uh, which is never pans out good. Um, or you could always also try, you know, to find a middle ground. Uh, if it's a 12 hour difference, maybe you could take the uh, call at 9 p.m. and uh, your time. And the mm-hmm. other company, the outsourcing company, can do it early morning at nine AM. Right, because uh, but a sending point emails of contact is essential. Right, because sending emails, like if I were to send you an email and then you would answer it tomorrow with a question, and then I would respond to the question, then you might have by the whole yeah. time a simple conversation could have been had in yeah. two minutes. It's been a week. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Well, think, yeah. You know so what? This is you- a- Go ahead. Yeah, so, so so this is where uh, you need to, uh, this is something that you need to identify during the shortlisting process. Make sure that the outsourcing studio you're working with can operate in your time zone. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's going to be a ruckus. Yeah, all right. I like that. It's going to be a ruckus, everybody. So make sure you're doing it right. Well, thank you so much. This has been a super informative top. Uh, I'm glad that we got you on here. I'm glad we got the, the tech stuff figured out. Uh, yeah. Coming up next is why do I always do this to myself? Coming up next, I just looked at it, but then my mind was totally thinking about outsourcing stuff. Coming up next, we have, where are we here? Uh, We got Chris Failer, Marketing and Video Games WTF. What does that mean, WTF? It's it's not FTW, it's for the win. (laughs) So... That's coming up next. Thank you so much. If you guys have, if anybody has any questions, go in the Discord. And if you want to hang out there in the Discord, that would be awesome. But thank you so much. Have a good day, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at indiegame.business.